Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New England Patriots. This is the Patriots Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Patriots Wire editor, Henry McKenna. You know, we had our um, our ups and downs in the season, you know, slower start, um, you know, some higher points in the middle of the season and, you know, didn't finish the way that, that we wanted to. I think we need to and will uh, go back and, you know, take a, a longer view of just everything. Um, uh, certainly last night's game was important and um, not in any way trying to minimize that, but at the same time there were you know, 17 other uh, meaningful games, uh, so 18 in all that you know, I think we really need to uh, look at and you know see how we can do a better job of um, everything, you know, coaching, playing, um, schematically, uh, whatever adjustments we need to make there and, and so forth and just, you know, in-season planning uh, for next year. Welcome to the show, a uh, post-mortem episode of the Pats Wire podcast this week, Henry. Um, not surprised that the Pats lost to Buffalo on Saturday night because the Bills have a superstar quarterback. They're just flat out better than the Pats across the board. And we talked about that last week in our episode, our preview episode. But what sucks to me is that Belichick didn't bring it, right? The Patriots... They're still fully in this post-Brady rebuild mode, but we've all been programmed around here to trust that Belichick will go into the lab and cook something up, right, to help the team win. And this was a disaster. Seven possessions, seven touchdowns for the Bills. I mean, as fun as this season was, that's got to leave a sour taste in your mouth as a Patriots fan. Absolutely, yeah. I, I I just, I think the drama level of this season was incredible. You know, we, we I made the analogy to Patriots seasons being the plot of a Marvel movie where you kind of just know that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are going to get their act together and make yeah. a deep run Yep. with Matt Jones and Bill Belichick. We were watching a murder mystery. <laughs> we, <laughs> we didn't, we didn't know who done it uh, and, and whether they'd get caught or whatever, you know, the bad analogy, but <laughs> you know where I'm going with it. And I liked uh, it. I like it. And so I think, yeah, you, the level of mystery and intrigue and the storyline changing every week and so much uncertainty made for a really great season. And of course, unfortunately that season ended with massive blowout for new England really showed them where they've got to improve though. Like this team, you know, we, we were talking about them going to the super bowl after that seven game win streak, but over the last four games of the regular season, it became abundantly clear that they were not a Super Bowl team. So I think ultimately it was okay that they lost in the first round. It was okay that the Bills of all teams, well, we'll get to that later, but it was definitely notable that the Bills of all teams really exposed the Patriots. And the Patriots have a good look at what they, what they really need to improve over the offseason. Yeah, I mean, let's go back to that murder mystery, right? It was really the bye week, right? Going into that bye week, that was peak mystery for the Pats. Like, right. nine and yeah. four, first place in the AFC. The Bills were, like, down on the fringe, like, clinging to a playoff berth at that point. And it was fun to pull up Twitter to see everyone trolling the Bills, trolling the entire NFL. The Pats are back with a rookie quarterback. How does that taste, right? Like, that was that was fun. 
but yeah, now we're back to reality after that game in Foxborough where the I agree with you 100%, uh, Henry. The Bills exposed the Patriots, and then they, they doubled down on it here in this playoff game. And the Bills haven't punted in eight consecutive quarters against the Patriots now. I mean, that, that is unbelievable when you think about it. Unreal that their crappy punter, never he never even stepped on the field except to hold the, the ball for the kicker uh, you know, on special teams. So, I mean, I know Mac Jones is the lightning rod and everyone wants to debate whether he's the franchise quarterback or not. And that's a great talk show topic and we'll do that later on. Uh, but when the Bills have seven actual possessions that score a touchdown on every single one of them, I mean, that's on Belichick, right? I mean, I don't care if it's Tom Brady under center. No one was going to win that game when you can't stop the other team on defense. And, and I just think the Patriots have a Bills problem, don't they? Henry, like you look at the Bills, the way the Bills are built, the Bills built their team, as we talked about earlier this year, with speed to kind of contend with the Chiefs. And the Patriots aren't really built like that. They're too slow on defense. A lot of people were tweeting about that. I agree with it 100%. And I think, you know, until the Patriots fix that and get faster, they're going to have a problem with this team, this this team with Buffalo and Josh Allen, their fast receivers. Like this is this problem is not going away anytime soon. The Bills for so long were the team that would build themselves to beat the Patriots, which is sort of a tricky way of building a team. But a lot of people, you know, they they build around the top team they have to beat. So New England was the top team, not only in the AFC East, but like the NFL for years. The tricky thing now for the Patriots is they the reversal has happened where the Bills are now the team to beat. And the Patriots have to figure out how they build their team to defeat Buffalo, which is why I think, honestly, I don't know that I think the, the, the wide receiver position, which is like what fans are dying for, for the Patriots to get Mac Jones. I think receiver isn't necessarily the biggest need. I think it's a need, but if the Patriots are going to beat Buffalo, they're going to need improvements all throughout their defense, which was, is kind of a crazy thought because the Patriots defense seemed to be their biggest strength going into that bye, and then plot twist, it wasn't the the doctor in the study with the uh, candlestick. It was actually the butler. No, I'm just kidding. You can, but nobody can was, carry a metaphor through an entire podcast like you. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> but that's where the plot twist happened, and, and everything flipped, and, and uh, the perception of the team changed. Um, and so – yeah, it, it should be interesting to see how big of a need Belichick thinks basically every level of this defense needs needs reforming. And if he feels that way, he really can do it because Devin McCourty is leaving. Dante Hightower is leaving. Uh, I could pull up other names and I will so that we can talk about it. But it's definitely a substantial group. And Hightower in particular is a player I could see them not bringing back. I could see him retiring because New England doesn't as good as he is pre-snap. He's also not very good post-snap and there are problems with his speed and it's a liability. So yeah, it's, it's, it will be a, it will be a tricky off season as the Patriots figure out what the heck to do to stop Josh Allen from looking Un, unstoppable. Yeah. Immortal. Yeah. And it, for me, you know, what we're talking about here, it's like, I think a lot of Patriots fans probably flipped over uh, to start watching Tom Brady and the Bucks now in the playoffs, right? To get ready for another Brady run. I know I'm one of those kind of fans. And when you watch the Bucks, you just pay attention to the speed on their defense, right? They're inside linebackers, Devin White and uh, Levante David. 
just flying right. all over the field, tackling everybody, and the Bucks just swarming the ball. And it's just like we got to get ourselves some of that. <laughs> we got to get ourselves some of that. And I, and I think another kind of commentary on this game with the Patriots getting blown out and their defense just not being uh, up to task. I mean, we talked about the cornerback depth chart coming in. I, I saw a lot of people blasting the Patriots for not having enough depth on corner. You know, on that. In, in that room, the quarterback room, but it's like we had Stephon Gilmore, J.C. Jackson, Jonathan Jones. Like Jalen Mills was supposed to be the number four guy and play like safety corner hybrid. He wasn't supposed to be the guy that held the dam together, as you said, Henry, right? It's the guy that kept the dam from bursting. And yeah. you know, all of a sudden, we don't have Jalen Mills and the dam bursts, and we got J.C. Jackson out there not playing well and getting smoked by Stephon Diggs. And uh, you look at the depth that we had at corner coming in and, and back in August, it was significantly different than this playoff game against the Bills, right? So I also feel like the Bills kind of caught the Patriots at the right time. They had, they lost three of four going into the playoffs. They're, they're just, their defense was kind of not how they planned it to be coming into the year. But still, I just I go back to Belichick. Just Can you cook something up? Can, can you make them punt once? Eight quarters, they haven't punted, the Bills. Obviously, Jalen Mills, we, we discussed it. You mentioned it. That's a big loss for the Patriots defense because – of their decision to get rid of Gilmore. I wish, honestly, if, you know, I bet Belichick, he'd never admit this even maybe to himself, but I bet he wishes he had stuff on Gilmore in that game. Um, well, at least we I'm got a six-round sure. pick for him, Henry. Right, yeah, that six-round pick's really going to change the franchise. <laughs> Start so, the rebuild with that pick. That would be hilarious, though, actually, if they drafted like a receiver in the sixth round and he was nasty. Um, <laughs> we'll have to bookmark this. Yeah, we'll have to bookmark that circle back. Yeah, and then the quarterback group, maybe, like we said, a little bit uh, off balance. But otherwise, this team was pretty healthy. They were pretty stocked at every position. I mean, the only thing they were missing was Isaiah Wynn at left tackle. And that definitely played a factor. But this game was so lopsided that – you t- you put in Isaiah Wynn, you put in Jalen Mills, the Bills still probably win by, I don't know, two touchdowns. A- Adrian Phillips talked about the Patriots' safety. He discussed how the gap is closer than people probably believe at this point. And I think that's true, but I still think if the Patriots didn't get that crazy weather in Buffalo for the first matchup, it would have been a full sweep of the series. That, that the Bills are, you know, a three out of three type team in terms of, you know, beating New England. So I think that there is a wide enough gap, even if it's not like a 47 to 17 gap, uh, <laughs> that the Patriots are, are in some trouble in the coming years. And so, you know, like we talked about just a, a few minutes ago, the, the rebuild process needs to be substantial enough to beat them next year. Uh, and and hopefully for you the you know be more competitive in years to come. A lot of work to do on the defensive side of the football, but there's there's work to do on offense too. Uh, you know, and and Henry mentioned the wide receivers. We want to get into Mac Jones as well. Our final grades for his rookie season. We'll get into all that right after this. This is the typical sportsbook minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie, Nathan Beagle, to break down this week's AFC Divisional Round matchup between the Buffalo Bills 
and the Kansas City Chiefs. Our friends at Typico Sportsbook have the Chiefs favored one and a half points, total sitting at 54 and a half. I'm taking the Bills plus one and a half because they have a better differential in EPA, yards per play, pressure rate, third down conversion rate. Over the past three seasons, they're seven, three, and two against the spread as a road dog. Give me the Bills plus one and a half points. Nate, how do you see this game? Give me the under 54 and a half, and I think it'll get higher as we go on in the week. The Bills have a top-ranked pass defense in a plethora of categories. The Chiefs also rank in the top half in opponents' passer rating and have allowed 16.5 points per game in their last 10. Give me the under 54.5. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. Hey, Ryan and Henry. It's Chuck from South Boston. I just, my quick question is whether it's free agency, trade, or the draft, Belichick really needs to find a number one receiver for Mac Jones. What are you guys' thoughts on that? All right. We appreciate uh, our, our fan questions. That one's from Chuck. If you want to leave us a question or a rant, Henry and I will address it here on the show and react to it. You can give us a call at uh, 508-203-1215. Henry, this is a a question about the Patriots needing to find a number one receiver for Mac Jones. Uh, I think fans are are pretty, are definitely in agreement with Chuck on this one. For me, it's like Kendrick Bourne, home run, Jacoby Myers, a fine slot receiver for this offense. Nelson Aguilar, (laughs) a failed experiment right now, um, which probably shouldn't surprise us because he was never really a wide receiver one to begin with. Uh, I do agree that the Patriots need a, a legit wide receiver one. My my take on this is that they should do it through the draft. I just don't see them going going into free agency and really contending for uh, you know these top names or or you know even trading for a guy like Calvin Ridley, which I see people tweeting about. What's your take on the Patriots' quest to go find a number one receiver for Mac Jones again? They tried to do that last year. I don't I don't think it worked out. I think it's a definitely it's a challenging process for the Patriots to get a number one receiver for 2022. I there are a few avenues you kind of address all of them, right? The draft, the trade market, and free agency. The Patriots are entering this offseason with 20 million dollars in cap space. Consider that J.C. Jackson is going to take up a hefty portion of that, and so then it, it, it falls down even more, right? So um, the Patriots the Patriots have, they, after such a big spending spree last year, they, ha- they don't have a lot of financial liberty to spend again this year. And that's in part also because the market is going to go up even higher this year than, than two years ago when it was – at its previous peak, it actually fell a little bit last year. And that's why the Patriots were, were such big buyers because it was a buyer's market, a rare, a rare buyer's market because of the pandemic and the loss of gate sales for the NFL uh, owners, owners suggested that the salary cap be lowered. It's about to explode. The salary cap's about to explode because of the new TV deal. So we're going to see big deals in this free agency market. We're going to see the Patriots struggling to sign um, 
big name free agents. And if they do, it will be because they have pushed aside money in other ways. And, you know, if, if there was anything that we learned from last year's free agency, when the Saints, for example, were headed in like, I think like tens of millions of dollars over the cap, it's that you can like manipulate contracts to get yourself either under the cap or as much cap space as you need uh, without totally jeopardizing the future of your franchise. The Rams are actually a really good example of this too, where they, they, they gave, you know, Aaron, they gave actually Jared Goff a big deal and then Aaron Donald a big deal and then Jalen Ramsey a big deal. And everyone was like, Oh, this will never work. They will never be able to sustain their success. Um, and they have because of building sort of a weird reverse engineered um, veteran only no draft pick style <laughs> yeah. team. And it's, it's like actually been shockingly sustainable. So uh, ultimately if the Patriots really want to go after like, I guess it's Devonte Adams in theory um, or more realistically, maybe a white a Mike Williams. Yep. That's a good one. Then, then maybe we'll see them push money aside and, and like, basically like one example is Matt Judon's contract changing his bonus money into, or sorry, his salary money into bonus money can push some money into future years for those who understand that salary cap concept. For those who don't, don't worry. I won't get too deep into that, but I that's where I love to, yeah, no, I, I love I to nerd out about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so there's ways to take the money that's currently slated to be paid this year and spread it out over future years is basically the, the how it works. And so, you know, maybe you go after a Mike Williams in free agency if he gets there. Calvin Ridley is attempting one. He's paid, he's set to make $11 million, which is actually not that much for what would be a wide receiver one. He's taking some time away from the Falcons this year for mental health re- reasons. So, you know, you'd want some security in that he returns. Obviously, when he's ready for mental health, you have to give someone as much time as they need, but you don't. You also don't want to trade for a player who ultimately won't play. Um, and I hope that's as sensitive as I can be um, toward mental health issues. The reality is they should take as much time as you, they need, but teams also, <laughs> you wouldn't want to spend the first-round pick for a player who never right, played. Yeah. That's the other so side the of Patriots, it. You'd have to give up real capital to get Calvin Ridley as well, no matter, right. regardless of the situation. And considering the Patriots' difficulties drafting wide receiver ones uh, and even like anything you know past like the sixth round, um, the 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 idea of giving up a high draft pick for Calvin Ridley makes sense to me. E- even though you're paying him a lot of money, that's where the Patriots are at in a team building phase. They can p- afford to pay pass catchers big dollars because their quarterback is paid nothing. He's, he's making a very small sum, and that's how the Patriots have to think with a rookie quarterback. And they've done in the past okay. with, like, Brandon Cooks, right? They've done this right. kind of formula yeah. before. Right. It works. And Cooks was a different situation because he was sort of – his salary was lower, and that's what the Patriots had to do when Brady was there when his salary was huge. But it's flipped, and the quarterback no longer makes, you know, the most in the NFL, and so the receivers and tight ends can do that. And – they're already putting a lot of money into the receiver and tight end positions. If somehow they could get someone to trade for Nelson Aguilar, 
whose salary cap hit is pretty substantial for New England, that would help them also free up space. Like if like if the Falcons, for example, somehow wanted Nelson Aguilar um, as a part of this deal, that would be like ideal for New England. So just considering potential options like that to help New England kind of pull in a top pick or sorry, a top receiver. The last avenue is the draft. And and the draft class has a decent amount of, of first-round talent. The Patriots have the 21st overall pick. A lot of people at this point are projecting Jamison Williams, an Alabama receiver. Makes a lot of sense for obvious reasons. Bill Belichick loves himself some Alabama prospects. Yep. He's a Jamison Williams is... Yeah, he's also the best receiver in the draft. And the reason why he might fall to 21 is because he suffered an ACL injury in January. So the Patriots take a risk. They kind of like give him a medical redshirt rookie season or they, they bring him in slowly halfway through the year. And Aguilar's on his deal through next year. So Aguilar and Jamison Williams probably start the season with Aguilar getting the majority of the snaps. But maybe by the end of the year, Williams is taking more of Aguilar snaps. And then by the offseason, the Patriots can just wave goodbye to Aguilar. And Jameson Williams steps into that number one role by 2023. But when I talk about that timeline for Patriots fans, they probably don't want to hear it, right? Realistically, if you draft a receiver in the first round, you, you can't expect them to be Jamar Chase. You can't expect them to be um, – it's more like Rashad Bateman. You know, a guy who had some some highs and some lows, especially in New England's offense, where the Patriots don't really coddle their first their rookie receivers. They're like, you either get it or you don't. And if you don't, you're not playing. So uh, you could see a scenario where a, a high draft pick ultimately takes some time and can't make an impact until 2023. So for those who are feeling impatient, in my mind, the Calvin Ridley situation seems to be a pretty good one. Mike Williams, a guy like that makes some sense. Rashard Higgins of the Browns, Cedric Wilson, James Washington of the Steelers. But I don't know if these guys are like coming here and are like surefire number right. one receivers for you. Those are more. But yeah, I don't like those. That's more of Nelson Aguilar. <laughs> yeah, because you don't need another Nelson Aguilar. You don't need another Kendrick Bourne or Jacoby Myers. Those those guys are going to be here next year, probably. And at the very least, you might get rid of. Aguilar, but I have a hard time seeing a scenario where that comes together. So what you really need is not more depth, but rather the number one guy. Yep. And the Pats are going to have a hard time figuring out how to bring that guy in, either in a time-sensitive way or in a financial way. We're still in the rebuild mode. It, it, felt, like, it felt like the Patriots were back and that they've arrived, but we're really in what? year? We're year two? It's only year two without Tom Brady, right? Yeah, it's year two. So we're going on year three without Tom Brady. We're still in the rebuild. So I think the long play, I think drafting a, a wide receiver with upside here this year, we got to go back to the well, right? I mean, we wouldn't be having this conversation, Henry, if Nikhil Harry turned out to be the stud that he was drafted to be. But, you know, this is this is the issue. Like we've, we've, we haven't been able to draft wide receivers. The Patriots have to figure that out. They should go back to the well this year in the draft. That's, that's kind of the way I would answer the, the question. But the reason why we're all obsessed about this topic, you know, Patriots fans being Henry, is because, you know, Mac Jones, it's time for him to cook next year, right? The training wheels are going to be officially off. Time to let Mac Jones be the alpha, let him lead the team, let him lead offseason workouts, be the leader. He kind of talked about that a little bit, referenced it in his postgame presser on Saturday night. 
What's your final like take on Mac Jones and his rookie season? What's your final grade for him, and what do you think about him taking those reins over in the offseason here? I, I think I'm looking at like a B minus, B grade. B minus. That's, that's where like, I'm at. B minus. Yeah. I want to give him a C plus, but I know, I know a lot of people would be uber upset about that one. Look, we're upset enough win, after that game. Yeah. He didn't win many games. Maybe you could argue any games for the Patriots. And he just, he stopped from losing a number of games. But he also lost a number of games for them. And this is all like classic rookie issues. And he ended the season 10 and 7. They ended up in the playoffs. Obviously, it was an ugly playoff appearance, but they did make it. So I, I like what Mac Jones has as a foundation. And I think the B minus B grade reflects that he did a good job stepping into a pretty good situation because his offensive line was very good this year. Um, you So you, you look at the context, you look at the system, impressive that he was able to grasp it, it so quickly and beat out Cam Newton, and uh, impressive that the end result was a playoff appearance. Now, flipping that forward, this this foundation that Mac Jones has set, you, you can be a little anxious that – in a few years when the Patriots have to come to pay Mac Jones a bigger deal, you're wondering, okay, is he Baker Mayfield? Is he Derek Carr? Is he um, Jimmy Garoppolo? And the good news is he's not, in my opinion, he's not Jimmy Garoppolo because Garoppolo suffered from, not only is he a middling quarterback, but he suffers from injuries so often that you have to have another middling quarterback to back him up. How but, dare you say mean things about Jimmy G? How dare you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, but you look at Derek Carr, for example, who, you know, he gets he gets lifted up by his pass catchers. And you look at Baker Mayfield, and he's kind of a disaster um, in, in Cleveland. So, but anyway, that statistically, you see a lot of similarities between, you know, where they all started in their rookie years. And I think you see a ceiling for Mac Jones that's, that's not that high. And so the Patriots can build a team in this window around him as a rookie with that small contract, not taking up much of the salary cap. But in the future, when Mac Jones has to maybe ask for a bigger deal, what then? Can the Patriots actually build around him? Can he take the leap that Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson took with with the big deal and then them kind of like taking over the offense and, and elevating the players around them rather than the players around them elevating them? Um, so I, I don't know. It, it should be interesting. I can't possibly pretend to know the answer to what will happen next, but I will say that you know I'll make those comparisons because it will be interesting to watch Jones's development or even maybe lack thereof as the Patriots have to decide whether he's really their franchise quarterback or whether it's more of a, you know, four and go kind of situation, five and five and done, you know, five years in this rookie contract. Yeah. Can you imagine what his second contract is going to be? It's going to be like four years, 200 million by then, <laughs> whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever these contracts are going to be for quarterbacks. It's going to be insane. Right. Absolutely yep. insane. 
So that yeah, that's fascinating. Uh, I'm a B minus for Mac. I, I think he struggled with turnovers against the better defenses. We talked about that last week. Great completion percentage. Definitely needs to work on his accuracy down the field like every young quarterback. Needs to get a little stronger. I think um, a year in NFL strength and conditioning will help him there. Needs to work on his body language a little bit, Henry, right? We talked about that a lot. Uh, but I, I think given the low expectations coming in, above average season for Mac. But just come on, Patriots fans. Do not say that it's an A. Don't give A or A- minus for Mac this year. Call him the GOAT of rookie quarterbacks. Like, we need to just take a chill pill on that. That's all. That's, that's where I'm at with Mac Jones, Henry. We just, it, was, yeah. it was above average. Uh, certainly wasn't bad, wasn't great, but above average, good, and a, and I feel good about him going into to year number two. I do. I feel good about him. I think I think he's going to improve a lot next year. I think he's going to be a much better quarterback, and I think the Patriots will be in the mix again. I, I could see it. I mean, I think even even with the the issues they have for imp- like improvement needs, they have a clear path back to the playoffs. Unfortunately, it might be through the wild card with the Bills being better, but it's yeah. still you, you you can clearly see how a Bill Belichick coach team and as it's constructed can make it. It's going to be a fascinating offseason. We'll be here to uh, to pick through it here as we go. Henry, just want to say quick shout out to you, man. Thanks for showing up every week. It was a uh, it was a fun it was a fun regular season for the Patriots. This will, this season was way more fun than I expected coming in. Uh, but I appreciate you showing up every week and bringing the. Uh, the knowledge, the analysis, and you know the metaphors, as usual. You know, the, <laughs> so it was it was, all, it was always fun. Yeah, no doubt. It's been a great season. I appreciate you for doing such a good job with prep. I just usually have to show up and start talking. So, <laughs> yeah, but see, you're smarter than me, so you can do it. I need I need everything right in front of me <laughs> to sound to sound yeah. like I know what I'm talking about. But uh, no, I don't I, believe it. Yeah, but we appreciate um, all of the listeners. Make sure you subscribe so you know when our off-season podcasts pop, but also check Patriots Wire for sure. Uh, Henry, you want to say bye to the listeners one more time as we head into the off-season? Ladies, gentlemen, have a terrific off-season. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.